Thank you for tuning into Sochcast. We hope you enjoy this uninterrupted listening experience. But before that, please do listen to these messages that come from those that support your favorite show. Raj Nayak's talk show Fridays Live features high-profile guests from various walks of life who engage in a free-flowing and inspiring chat with him. Good evening everybody and welcome to the first episode of my talk show Fridays Live with Raj Nayak coming directly to you not from our studios but from my bedroom here in Mumbai. Some day when I look back this will be an episode I will always cherish and remember for being able to have the courage and the conviction to start a show without any packaging or the frills that come along with it i'm truly excited and to be honest a little nervous to embark on this journey and would like to thank each one of you who are here with me today and to those who have sent me your messages from all over the world via social media and personal messages thank you so much if this show has to have legs and continue to be successful i will need all your support all your good wishes all your love and all your blessings so please keep pouring in you can follow me on twitter facebook and instagram and my handle is raj cheerful cheerful with a double f the world is changing and we are all evolving and looking at a new future what the world needs today is more hope empathy and positivity my purpose of doing this show is to speak to personalities from all walks of life who will inspire us through their life's journeys and given today's situation my first guest this evening is a very enduring person a fine human being someone who uses compassion and is non judgmental she is a renowned transformational coach who has helped ceos celebrities and individuals discover themselves she hates to be in the limelight and is a very very private person it has taken me all my persuasive skills to get her to agree to be my guest on this show and here she is joining me today jill majeski Hi Raj. Hi Jill. Thank you so much for that introduction. Thank you Jill. Thank you for agreeing to come on my show to be my first guest. You have no clue. You have absolutely no clue how thrilled I am to be with you here today and I'm extremely grateful to you for agreeing to do this for me. I'm truly grateful. Wonderful. I feel as well. Feeling is mutual, Raj. Thank you so much for bringing me on. and for letting you start this it's very auspicious i'm so excited for you how are we today well yeah another day here we are at home in lockdown <laughs> <laughs> but i'm doing well raj everything is stable all well okay jill i want to start off by asking you about 
the one burning question I have, you know, because uh, transformational coach and what is what is transformation? What can um, one expect if they embark on a journey of self-discovery? Hmm. Wow, you didn't you didn't start with a small question, Raj. You started <laughs> with the big one, like the big Kahuna. Because um, I really I really need to understand. I want to get to you know what is transformation. Everybody keeps speaking about this. I know it in the literal sense, but when it comes to what you do as a profession, I, I just want to understand a little more. Sure. So it's a very big subject, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll take try your time. We to... got one hour. <laughs> So transformation is really a process that people can choose to go through. And really at the end of it, what we're asking ourselves is who are we choosing to be? And how are we choosing to show up in our lives and in our work? And that's really kind of the question that we come to in the process of transformation. So sometimes you can use you know, metaphors such as it's kind of updating the OS that we run on, our internal systems that we rely on every day to make decisions and kind of navigate life. So in the process of transformation, you can think of it like, like a reboot, like a, a new, the new operating system that can come into our lives and help us to tackle whatever comes at us in life. So it's an opportunity to renew ourselves, to reconnect, to, um, you know, reinvent oftentimes ourselves. And it's in a various degrees. Not everybody, you know, is, uh, is you, can, you can do small transformation, you can do big transformation. So in various degrees, we can really kind of reinvent the self and who we think of as ourselves. So this is the journey of transformation, healing, changing, you know, going in ourselves and, and really kind of getting through some of <laughs> our patterns, recognizing our patterns, recognizing what's running us on a day-to-day -day basis, how we're making our decisions, how we're filtering out, how we are going about life. So... I have to say, it's, it's, it's quite a journey and a process that takes time. So transformation is really oftentimes wading through who we are and finding out more about who we are and sometimes wading through the murk. <laughs> sometimes it's a bit of a messy business. Um, people would love transformation to be very linear, but through the experience that I've led people through, it's anything but linear. It has us going up and down and sometimes back <laughs> and back again and forward again. But at the end of the day, uh, we're hoping for an upward swing. So it's a lot of work actually, but the payoff can be enormous. Great, I mean, uh, we spoke about transformation and uh... You've had the transformation yourself. I mean, you have a very interesting career. You, uh, you did your chemical engineering. I mean, that's your background. Yep. And from there, you went on to be a teacher and then a transformative life coach. I mean, uh, how did you end up on this path? I mean, it's a complete shift, right? A complete transformation uh, in your personal life. Absolutely. Professional life, yeah. 
Absolutely. So yeah, uh, you know, being really good at math and chemistry and wanting a really good job to, you know, sustain myself said, you know, engineering made sense. It was challenging, uh, interesting. So I went for it and I enjoyed that piece of it. However, somehow I knew in the process of getting my degree that there was a human left out of that space. There was a humanness left out of that space and maybe like a human interaction. So it didn't take me very long after I, uh, I got my first project engineering job out of college and made a little money, paid off a, a few loans. <laughs> I wanted out. I, I wanted something uh, more. And at that time, I was also doing a lot of volunteering and working with a lot of different types of people in the city that I was living in as an engineer. So for me, uh, science education became a natural step. It was a place that I could walk into in the nonprofit sector and be of assistance and maybe go to places and work with communities that really needed support. So I, I went out on that adventure. And one of the things I always wanted to do in my life was join the Peace Corps. So I had an opportunity to do a stint in West Africa. And that really gave me a lot of experience uh, in the classroom, in community work. And I brought all that experience when I decided to move to India and settle down. Um, I continued that journey in education and it was so rewarding, very fulfilling and very meaningful work, working with kids. So, and you become a natural mentor as a teacher. You connect with the kids on such a, on such a beautiful level. Um, so I enjoyed the creativity that happened in the classroom and I really enjoyed the kids. However, at some point I needed to grow. I needed a new challenge and I needed something more. So I'll tell you, leaving the classroom was a really tough decision for me. I, I loved my work. I loved my school I was at. Very integrated. Everything, you know, was working out fantastic in the career. There really was no reason to leave except I had this kind of deep urge to move on to something else. So I stepped out into the unknown with no plan in hand, Raj. No, that's fine. I can, I can relate to you because uh, I did the same, right? I had a great cushy job, the corner office, the title, the entitlement that comes along with it. And then one fine morning, I just decided to just throw it up, right? Because end of the day, I think everybody gets that calling. I mean, the calling of wanting to do something different, of breaking free, free, uh, breaking free right? Absolutely. But, but you know, uh, it's it's probably a little. Uh, I wouldn't say it's easy. Probably it's tougher when you're at the top of the, your game. Uh, but a lot of youngsters today, you know, they uh, and I speak to them, the millennials, and they are at this crossroads where they have pursued a particular career, and then they realize that the heart is not there and they want to make that shift. And uh, they really don't know because on one end, the financial aspect of it, it, it plays a role. I mean, the security plays a role. And the other end of it, the whole world tells you, follow your dreams, follow your heart. <laughs> yes, right? it does, doesn't and, it? And, and they're confused. So what would be your advice to them? Mm, wow. What would be my advice to them? I mean... Because you've done it. you lived it. Yeah, in a moment, I would say go for it. Because whatever you put your passion and your, your pure energy into 
will grow and and will kind of um, the path ahead will present itself. It's almost like sometimes we really just have to jump in. We have to jump into life and jump into opportunities. And more of the time we will see the opportunities when we need them. <laughs> when sometimes when we're in a cushy place or we're in a safe, you know, salary, we just, we don't see opportunities around. It's not until we leave and we take that leap that things present themselves. So, I mean, I would say go for it because Anything you do well, anything you put your whole heart into, this will gain reward and recognition. Someone will see you, someone will connect with that energy and your path will form. So I'll say, go for it any day. And yeah, and you never know where it'll take you. Uh, so tell me something, I mean, in your case, because you've done it, once you made that decision, uh, I mean, you can't do things overnight, right? There was a transition that took place over a period of time and a lot of hard work, I'm sure, right? Because I've gone through your resume and you've done almost every course that's available in this space from all over the world, not just from the US, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what is the time period that it took you? What was the journey? How long did it take you to make, be who you are today? So you mean, after I left education, I actually took a year just less, a little less than a year, six months, I think, to kind of decide where I wanted to go. So I had that luxury that I could take a little bit of time and go, go into that not knowing space. Um, and it's actually during that time that I got myself a coach. And it was during that time that uh, speaking with friends and speaking with mentors, I had a lot of people who I was asking to them, you know, their... Uh, ideas, their thoughts. And I, it, it took about six months and another year after that, I would say, to really work on myself to get planted and sorted into the net, about a year. And by the end of that year, then I had kind of a track that laid ahead of me. And those are the courses that you were talking about. I kind of packaged my own learning in the scope of coaching. So I not only took the standard courses, but I also took other interests that had helped me so much in my journey. And I decided to practice those. Like if they worked for me, they might work for somebody else. So this is more the energy psychology piece that I also practice and work with clients doing. So I found success and I was a living testament to what the potential is that these practices could to do to aid the emotion, connect yourself with your body. So, yeah, after about a year, I was kind of on, on course. <laughs> so about a year. And then it, I've been working pretty much nonstop for the past five years on developing my skills, polishing my skills, and coaching as many people as I can, getting as much experience under my belt as possible, and trying to really reach out in a number of different communities and coach all different types of people. So I really pushed myself to to just practice my trait, believing that practice was gonna get me, you know, to in the next level where I could really perform and add value into someone's life. So, so uh, that's interesting. And uh, how did the transformation to the US to India happen in your personal life? Oh, that one? Hmm. 
Well, yeah, that's really not so planned, I would say. Um, so I met my husband in university. Mm -hmm. So we were which, both... Which university was this? University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities. So living in Minneapolis. And yes, about six or eight months just before graduation, I met this gentleman who... <laughs> Uh, I didn't really realize at the time I uh, was going to become my future husband, but yeah, that was about four years, Raj. I, it took about four years for me to eventually live out a couple of my own dreams, such as being in West Africa, living in Europe and doing some things, but um, decided to take the leap, the leap, the leap from the heart. So coming to India is definitely um, a heart choice. And um, we and we did it. it. It came time where, you know, after so many years of distance, I had to make that decision. We both had to make a decision. So, yeah, we decided to give it a go. And I think now we just celebrated 15 years. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. So 15 years, 16 years in Mumbai. I'm based here. Great. So tell me, when you moved to India, had you come on a holiday before you had you visited India before the marriage? I did. I came in 2000 and I came a number of times before that and then settled down. Yeah. In 2004, I settled down. So I did, I did come and go. So was it easy? Did you have a culture shock once you moved in here? Uh. <laughs> so, you know, these sort of decisions, when we, we take them, we have so much um, inner belief. You know, I think in your 20s, you sometimes feel invincible. You've undertaken a lot of challenge and, and I had great confidence that I could do anything I, I set my mind to. Um, however, I'd have to say <laughs> it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done and has also been a catalyst towards my own transformation is the decision to not only come here, but decide to come here, plant roots in India and thrive. I wanted to deeply thrive in my life, in my relationships, in my work. That's something I've always set a course towards. So whatever I needed to do to thrive, I wanted to do that. And in order to do that, I had to break away from so many of the things that I had learned, knew, held fast to. You know, your parents teach us beautiful things, but they don't always apply. <laughs> so I had to rewrite my rule book, Raj, and India gave me the opportunity to do it. So I'm extremely grateful. And um, it was really tough. Yeah, I, I won't lie. It was pretty tough. Would you now say that you've adapted fully? Um, I kind of swim along. Life is swimming along itself. Um, of course, we will have days and we will have moments. Um, maybe it's the heat. Maybe it's the noise. Maybe it's the you know, pollution or something that will trigger. But at the end of the day, I'm very, very settled that my life is here. And that feels really great. It feels really good. It feels natural. So, um, and I've had such a, I don't know, I've had a really beautiful experiences living here and being here. So no complaints. Have you traveled within the country? All over. Absolutely. Um, which, the, which is your favorite place in India? Oh, it's got to be the mountains. And those people that know me, uh, maybe that are in the audience might also know, I love to spend time up in the mountains, up in the Himalayas. I love, I love it so much. So probably the north, I would say, maybe somewhere in Himachal, um, 
somewhere in Utranchal, maybe. Utrakant, maybe. <laughs> and how often do you travel? Um, well, before COVID, <laughs> <laughs> I was traveling a quite a bit. Um, I would say I was moving around um, every two or three months. Um, so my, my year would have a, quite a bit of travel inside of it. And it's interesting that you ask because, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about uh, in this lockdown was my lifestyle and my choices that I was making in the past. And I've really been asking myself what it is that I want to create in the future. Um, and, you know, uh, do I need to travel so much? Do I need to, you know, have my carpet footprint all over the place? Or do I really just need to go home once a year and see my mom and dad? So I'm kind of asking myself a lot of questions about that moving forward. But yeah, I love moving around the world. The world is, is my home for sure. Wherever I am, um, I'm kind of at home. Do you miss America? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> and I say that with a lot of love. I say that with a lot of love. By all, if anybody who knows me, I'm, I'm a total American, but um, no, not really, Raj. And I... <laughs> I, I just asked you because I miss your mom and dad. So I was like, whether you miss the place or you miss the people. Um, maybe I miss like a hamburger or something every now and again. But um, <laughs> no, not really. Not anymore. You know, I think now, Raj, it's been a good 20 years that I've been out. So uh, if I ever went back to the States, it would be reculture shock. It would be me learning, <laughs> learning to go back and live under those circumstances. So, but I love going home to the States. Don't get me wrong. I always have a flutter in my stomach and, you know, to, to get off the plane when I'm in the States. Great. I mean, you, you touched upon COVID and, uh, and you, something that you said struck me, you know, you said, I'm going to relook at how, uh, whether I need to travel or to stay at home and things like that. So what do you think? I mean, what is your perspective post-COVID? How do you see life changing? Hmm. Interesting. So if I start with myself, you know, if, if I used to spend a lot of time traveling and doing a lot of things for my personal affair and for my own pleasure, you know, it really asks me to get a bit more committed to the impact that I'm having in my local communities, in the places where I am. And I'm wondering about spending more time and energy in that space. And I do love the social sector. It's close to my heart, but it really is calling to me to get a bit more committed. And maybe it's the age, maybe it's the timing, maybe it's the, the, the time in my career that I'm at. We're giving back and, and really being a bit more available in that sector would be more meaningful moving ahead. So, and post COVID for the world, I don't know what's gonna, what's coming our way, but I can only hope for a, you know, a rise in consciousness. I can feel it. I can feel it. We're all asking a whole lot of questions. We're putting the, the status quo into question. And we're saying, what do we really need moving ahead and what's really essential? And I think this sort of you know, stoppage is, is unprecedented for us to kind of restructure our lives and our minds and our priorities. So let me ask you a question. What was your life before COVID? And what's the life in a day in the life of, say, Jill Majeski before COVID and now during the lockdown? Oh, boy. Um, well, I work from home, Raj. How does it change? Well, I work from home, Raj. 
So, you know, this part of this work was the flexibility. Another reason why I chose the work I did is that I could create my own schedule, work my own hours, you know, be my own boss. So maybe that's also the American in me, <laughs> run my own show, be my own entrepreneur. But um, so in, in terms of work, not much has changed. In fact, I've probably been coaching 20% more since the lockdown, since people are at home, they have more flexibility in their schedules at times. So I've been coaching more actually. Um, I don't know, I guess, uh, <laughs> instead of going out for my workout, I do it at home. Instead of running errands, everything comes home. Um, yeah, I guess socially, we are all spending more time on Zoom, connecting with friends and having social ideas. So I guess, you know, we're not roaming around anymore. We're not um, spending any time kind of on the road in my car. I don't miss that at all. Such a gift. No traffic, no horns. So I guess before COVID, it just felt there was a different type of freedom to move around as you please. But I have to say, now that we're in this situation, I also feel a type of freedom being at home in a very kind of um, comfortable space. And I have the privilege of having the space and my AC and my lights and everything, of course. But, um, but it's, it's a nice, cozy confinement here, actually. Once you remove all the variables of life, certain things become a bit more simple. So I'm enjoying the simplicity while it lasts because at some point, <laughs> it will all open again. Okay, so let's, let me come back to your work. Sure. You know, uh, your, your, your title I read somewhere says, Art of Life Coach. So mm. can you tell me what that, what's it all about? I mean, uh, what does it mean? What does it entail? Mm. So yeah, when it's I, very nice, Art of Life Coach. Yeah, so, you know, I'm always playing around with titles and figuring out what to call myself. So Art of Life Coach came in about three years ago, and it really was a spinoff of my own artwork that I create. So one of the things that, that came and manifested in my transformation was painting. It was one of the things that brought immense joy into my life and I felt a lot of freedom and it was something I did for pleasure. And uh, so painting really helped me and supported my transformation as I was working through. And as You're I still- You're a pretty good artist. That's what I've heard. You're a pretty good artist. Yes. So. So, in your house. And you know, one of the things that what's really important for me in my work is that my work and my life kind of come together. It's not such a separation between my work hat and my, and my real life. Part of me becoming whole and one person was this idea that my work and my life, it's all kind of intermeshes and comes together and creates one whole. So part of me wanted to bring this very personal space of my painting because my paintings are really like my inside out. I paint what's happening from the energy in, in myself. So it's kind of, my insides are out on paper and color. So in that way, I kind of wanted to merge this idea of art and creation. Because when we're asking ourselves who we're choosing to be, we are stepping into a space of creativity. We are stepping into a space of choice and possibility. So for me, creativity and art represent that. 
So this idea of being an art of life coach is, you know, this is an art. Creating your own life is art. Your life is artwork. <laughs> so yeah, and when you and it becomes fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of wanted to, you know, add that in, and it was something different. I mean, uh, a different way of looking at it. on my business card. I have some of my artwork on it, and it was just a way of me kind of passing myself into that picture very intimately as a coach. Because the relationship you have with a coach is extremely intimate. It's extreme, you know, 100% confidential, 100%, you know, two people meeting in a, in a discussion. And I kind of need to reveal myself also as a coach in order to connect with my clients. So I guess it represents a bit of that intimacy. So tell me something. I mean, uh, you're an extremely private person and yet... <laughs> How do you go about taking on new clients? How do you approach your work with them? I mean, so, so. What's the thought process when you take on a new client? So, okay. So because I had the liberty of growing my business organically, it means that I didn't have to follow any of the business rules. So, you know, they tell you, this is how to start a business. This is how to present yourself. This is kind of the options you should give. This is how you should sell. Well, I just chose not to take that route. And I said to myself, I'm going to do this in stages in process. So I run a referral only coaching business. Basically that means I started with a very small group of clients who became regular clients, who became long-term clients. And as those clients transformed and grew and changed their lives, wow, this became the best <laughs> selling point for anyone, any business we would want, is that personal experience coming from someone's, you know, and from the inside, coming from something really important, whether they're changing jobs, changing house, you know, uh, getting into relationships, new relationships, you know, there's like a real growth there. And usually people can see it on their friends and colleagues, like something's changed about you. So this is, this is what has allowed my business to really grow. It's referral, Raj. I run a referral business. So someone comes to me already having the testimony that they need. And this creates trust. It's yeah, I, I agree with you. I firmly believe that your reputation precedes you. It walks 10 steps ahead of you, both good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we need trust in these, in these relationships. And if I have to work as a coach to reconfirm trust in a relationship, it's probably not going to work or it's not going to work for very long. So clients have to walk in with an ability or willingness to trust. And with a referral coming that's from a close friend or an intimate colleague, that'll do it. And then we can get to the work. So if I ask you, Jill, what is the best part of your job? Best part of my job? Um, I don't know. I think the best part of the job is when people have, I've watched people set a course for themselves and they feel like they're making steps. They're taking steps. They're seeing themselves differently. They're seeing the world differently. And when 
they come with those snapshots of, and you know, and when we have transformation, the other thing that happens is, you know, our, our space expand, expands. We naturally usually have a bit more perspective on ourselves, about our situations. So this space that when I see people creating space for themselves, this I, I love. You know, so this is because then in that space, they feel like they can be themselves. They feel that they can follow their hearts and, and go with life as it is, as they are and show up authentically. So I think that's my fantastic takeaway from working with clients is seeing them kind of blossom, seeing them kind of grow into themselves again. And and, and also this idea that things that used to trouble them before, they're like, oh, that thing, that doesn't bother me anymore. So <laughs> that's also a huge reward. They're like, oh, that thing, that's not a big deal anymore. I've totally gotten over this idea. So this is a really great, um, I really enjoy when I hear that feedback from clients. I know that you uh, coach many executives and CEOs. So what do you think is the most important quality of a leader? And what, what have, I mean, they, they've come to you, right? I mean, what, okay, let me ask you the other way around. I mean, first okay. thing, be what you think is the most important quality of a leader, but uh, I, I, what I would like to know is because they come and talk to you, what are some of the common mistakes they tend to make in leadership? You mean on the job, in their, in their roles, the mistakes they make in their roles? In their roles or in their personal lives or? Well, uh, I mean, I couldn't resist this. I come from a corporate, <laughs> corporate background, so you know, I had to ask. And I'd love to throw this question back at you, Raj. Because <laughs> I'm usually the one asking the questions. <laughs> so, I mean, okay, so your question is, what is the most important quality or what do they miss? Yeah. What are they missing out on? Yeah. I think, you know, as, as time goes by and as our careers keep, you know, increasing in years, you know, we, people, everyone changes. We all grow from our experiences. And I think sometimes what I see is, you know, we just assume that what was true in our 20s and 30s is going to continue to be true in our 40s and 50s. So we can just keep, you know, taking the old tricks and the old ideas and we can keep planting it and reusing it and moving on. But in the meantime, the world has changed. They have actually changed. Um, so I think this updating, like knowing yourself, you know, and realizing that maybe some of the things that we're carrying with us aren't doing us justice anymore. And that we can, if we know ourselves a little bit better and we know our operating systems a little bit more intimately, we can show up better in our job and be more efficient, more effective and connect more with our, our staff. It's really that deep connection that I think is going to go into your next question. You know, this is, it's the humanness now. It's moving into this. And now with COVID, it's not only the humanness of the interaction with staff. Now it's everybody, environment and everything included. So I think we're really, this is where the empathy question comes in. You know, this is where leaders have to connect on another level. Everything is asking us to be more human to each other. So the only way that we're going to be able to do that is if we've deeply connected with ourselves. If we really 
you know, have let, you know, and some of it's letting go, not only knowing ourselves, but maybe letting go of past failure, letting go of past disappointments and upset and removing some of that emotional baggage, which sometimes we just have a tendency to carry along. We call it life. Like, yeah, I'll just carry this along with me as I go through life and not realizing that it's, it ends up being heavy. It ends up being weight and we don't really need it actually we can't fully show up when we have all that baggage inside of us so i think you know this updating and knowing yourself so that you can connect more with with your with your teams with your communities and now with covid with our environment as well so uh Does that answer your question raj it does i mean uh let me ask you a follow-up question you know i mean uh Today's environment, a lot of people are stressed that they may lose their jobs. And a lot of people may really actually lose their jobs as well, right? And many, uh, many. many. Uh, and and uh, it's easy for us to sit down and say, uh, say, be positive and things like that. But they are stressed, they're anxious and things like that. How would you, what would you be your advice for them in a situation like this? How do they, how do they cope with the situation? The people who are losing their jobs? Yeah, people, they're losing their jobs. People are, uh, don't know, they've got pay cuts, they've got EMIs and things like that. I'm generally, I'm sh- sure there's a lot of people who are very anxious today. You know, a lot of people are at home, you know, they're, you know, I don't know what's, how would you say it? You'd say loneliness or solitude. You know? mm. so, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, what comes to mind, Raj, is this, this idea that, you know, we are experiencing some in, so much interconnection now. We're realizing that we're not alone in any of our spaces. We're, you know, we're not alone at all. This is a big community that we that we reside in. So, this idea that you know, when we when we lose our means and we lose what was you know planned and our plans kind of dissolve, it's really an opportunity to to be more in the community and a part of the community. And this is one of the reasons why I feel that, you know, giving and being from where I'm sitting, giving and being a part of the solution, whether that's hunger solution or whatnot, being a part of the solution. So maybe this is emotional support. Maybe this is financial support. And that calls on all of us to be checking in with all of our loved ones and our extended families and check in with everybody because we need a deep trust and a deep connection to wade through any sort of challenge. So I would say reach out because oftentimes when the lights go out and everything goes dark in life, you know, we just simply need some, some ray of hope or some opportunity. It could just be a phone call or, you know, reaching out and saying, you have to say what's happening. I think a lot of people too might be feeling um, ashamed or, you know, confused. But I think this is really a time to come together and be with each other. And, and you never know, Raj, what's going to emerge from this. There's hope. I feel a lot of hope that something new will emerge. So we kind of need to carry each other in time of crisis. So I would encourage anyone to reach out to, to, for whatever it is they, they might need. Jill, have you faced setbacks and disappointments in your life? <laughs> what do you think, Raj? <laughs> setbacks and disappointments, of course. 
Of course, um, you know, not getting jobs, getting turned down. You know, one piece of my story that I left out was my engineering job, I got laid off. That wasn't even, you know, I left the day before the announcements of the layoff, I skedaddled, I left, I left work. The day before they announced it to the whole company, I left. But, you know, there is a, things don't work out the way we want them to. Things don't materialize the way we planned, the way we envisioned it. So absolutely, whether that's in my personal relationships, you know, you, you, you don't really know how to do marriage because you've never done it before. <laughs> so that's going to have its fair share, you know, in that sort of relationships are very complex. But um, yeah, absolutely. Disappointments, what maybe that's on a, on a personal level with, with friendships. We face setbacks. Um, yeah, I think getting turned down for a couple of jobs, getting turned down for promotions or things like that. I mean, I've actually, in hindsight, if I look back, most of those setbacks were for a reason. I was heading in a very, very different direction than in, in my mind I wanted to go. So what I see now looking back is those setbacks re-steered me in a new direction. They opened up a new avenue. And maybe forcefully, so it wasn't very comfortable. But if I look back, I say that it really was taking me on the right course. So another thing is how do we perceive the setback? And where is it, where is it asking us to move now? So how do you stay motivated and inspired in, all such, in such situations? Um, where do you draw your strength from? Where do I draw my strength from? Oh, well, in those situations when you get the bad news and you get the rejection letter and you get kind of that, I mean, you reach out to your loved ones. Um, absolutely. Ask people for support. This is why having a good network of friends and colleagues of all different types and in all different sectors has been a real um, benefit and an asset. So I love living in the city. I love Mumbai. Um, I'm a... <laughs> So many people around um, has such great benefit for support. Um, but my strength, where does my strength come now? Um, don't know, Raj, I would say largely would probably come from, from my practice, uh, my personal practice that I have. My, my spiritual space gives me a lot of strength and a lot of grounding. So I, I study a lot of philosophy and that the teachers and mentors and, and the groups of people around there, it gives me a lot of um, independence, you know, to find my way on my own terms, but also a lot of guidance and, um, and, and community. So a lot of my strength, I think, comes from, from my community. It's not only me that is able to show up as a coach. There's like a whole bunch of people behind me that are also supporting me and, and are always there. So one thing that, uh, that's come up from being in the lockdown is that uh, people are spending a lot of time together, right? And sometimes there isn't enough empathy and or self-awareness between people. So how do you nurture that self-awareness or EQ in people who are lacking in this? Hmm. EQ, EQ, EQ. So 
We want empathy for those around us. Means like we're getting irritated, we're getting upset. I know, I know a lot of families because you know, uh, they say familiarity breeds content, and especially if you're living in a big city in small flats and things like that, hmm. and it can be claustrophobic. I mean, beyond a certain point, hmm. and and also awareness. You know, people are really not aware of the situation the way it is because it's never happened before. This is un- like you said, unprecedented. So there is a need for some empathy, some mm. awareness. How 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 do you inculcate this in people? Mm. Well, when you're when you're already a bit stressed and you have a bit of tension, first that inner tension, that inner stress, whatever we're carrying from our side, I think would be the first place to start and alleviate. You know, separate from what may cause caused by others so whatever is happening inside your body or inside your mental space you know that's ours to decide and that's ours to really ask ourselves you know how do we want this lockdown to go do we want it to be peaceful do we want it to be productive do we want it to be kind of wholesome in nature because people can can be claustrophobic anywhere and people can be unhappy anywhere. So being a bit more joyful or Mr. Cheerful, being a bit more cheerful within the circumstances, you know, we just have to kind of also accept that we can't leave our homes. We are confined and we don't know how many days we'll be there. So this type of uncertainty, we need to kind of mitigate within ourselves and realize if I'm anxious and I'm upset inside myself, I can be sure that most of the other people in the family are also feeling that level of anxiety and upset and uncertainty. So when we deeply understand the emotions that are running through us, we can also kind of help navigate, okay, if I'm upset and I'm unwired in some way, it's likely that other people are as well too. So I think by going into ourselves and really asking ourselves what's going on inside of your body, you know, what's happening inside, what are you feeling? What are you sensing? We can kind of slow down a little bit and we have great opportunity now to take space and slow down, expand ourselves, breathe. We have so many practices that we know. A lot of people have great tool sets that they don't use. Use whatever tools that you do know Use the resources that you have available to you to settle yourself down and then decide, you know, if you want to contribute in a family situation, relationships ask you to be unconditional. Love asks you to be unconditional. So this is a great time to show that kind of unconditional acceptance to the people that we love that matter most to us. It's family. So this might be a time to really step up and show that empathy and be bigger than you know, worrying about only ourselves, but worrying about everybody else in the house as well. Great. I mean, uh, so what was that one incident that you look back that didn't uh, feel right for which you needed a transformation? Whoa. (laughs) Didn't seem right. Where are we going, Raj? Like, in, in my 30s, in my 20s, in my teens, where are we? <laughs> We've had so many uh, uh, disc, 
uncomfortable circumstances that have happened. We've had so many things in life that have occurred and maybe that's a heartbreak or maybe that's, um, whew, some of my bigger ones come from further back, from uh, like uh, being in a parochial school <laughs> in a Catholic, <laughs> a strict Catholic school. <laughs> so needing to break free from certain things. So yeah, a lot of things in life, you know, have caused upset for me. It's not like I've been swimming through life and thriving always, you know, it's been, um, a lot of, you know, conflict and unrest within myself. So I think there, are, if I look back on all the issues which I might have taken to the table and worked on, it's, it's probably the gamut, Raj, from interpersonal relationships to overcoming my own perfectionism. Oh, that was a big one. And how important is relationships? Oh, that's, for me, that's what drives everything. Relationships drive everything. It's you know, a lot of people set goals and when things go wrong, a life coach normally tells them, make peace with it, you know, while, while, uh, and move on and look at the positives. While it is nice to say and do, where does it leave that person's ambition and passion and all the work they've put in and things like that? Hmm. So feeling upset about how things have worked out. Yeah. So it sounds like we're like looking for meaning. You know, we've put ourselves into it and we feel like um, let down. We feel like we haven't gotten out what we've put in. So big disappointment, it sounds like. Is that what you're speaking about, Raj? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. How to overcome disappointment. Is that it's, it's tough. <laughs> It takes time, I think, um, to admit that things didn't go the way you planned, um, that circumstances um, unfolded, didn't, un you know, didn't unfold the way you had hoped for them to. Um, but, you know, I don't know, you know, it always comes down to what, what it is that we, that we trust. What is it that we hold tight to? What is it that we use as our North Star, our beacon? What's guiding us? So... In those moments, we really need to ask, you know, what's really guiding me here? What do I have to realign with to make it work? Because you're the only one that's going to create meaning for yourself about your life circumstances. You write the story of your life. It's yours to write. So feel free to write it in any tense and in any way and in any shape and in any form. So... I, I just, I feel that there's a freedom there. There's an opportunity, you know, when every door is slammed in your face, others will open. So, um, I don't know. I think we also have to console ourselves. We also have to be really intimate with ourselves about our disappointments and maybe feel more of the disappointment more intensely than maybe we're willing to. We you know we do anything to escape discomfort, Raj. <laughs> <laughs> and where do you see uh, an opportunity for motivational coaches in India? Because we as a society don't adapt to self-help so easily. Or, you know, people don't go and seek help. I think times are changing, Raj. I've seen it over the years and in the last three, four, five years. 
I've seen that the whole perception is actually changing. So I actually come, I come from a space where I don't really feel that anymore. I don't feel that type of resistance anymore from people. Um, having said that, confidentiality isn't very important, right? So we have to trust our practitioners. We have to trust our, our people that we go to for help. And um, yeah, I, I don't think that that's there anymore as much, Raj. Do you? I think so. I think, I don't know because, but I still feel people hesitate to ask for help. I mean, that's my understanding, but I don't know because I don't practice. At least, you know, people feel that it's a taboo to say that, you know, I'm seeking help. You know, I think, I think that, but maybe it's changing. Maybe it's changing. And I mean, this is one of the role as leaders now. This is one of the role as leaders to, we have to ask ourselves how we feel about the topic. Is it okay to get a coach? Is it okay to get a therapist or a counselor when you go through a rough patch? We have to ask ourselves um, what's true for us because if we look for approval from everyone for everything, <laughs> it's not going to come. So, okay, let me, uh, we've got limited time. So let me ask sure. you my last two questions. Uh, okay. But before I do that, I just want to know if there are viewers here who want to get in touch with you, follow you. Is there a website? Is there a Twitter handle, Instagram, somewhere they can reach you out? Sure. I have a LinkedIn handle under Jill Majeski. I'm also currently on Facebook. <laughs> okay. I'm on and off, but the LinkedIn handle is the best handle to find me on. That would be great. Thanks, Raj. Okay, great. So tell me, what is your key to a good relationship? Whew. A key to a good relationship? Um, I mean, at the root of it, I'm, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say love, L-O-V-E, Raj. I'm going to have to say love and not only any kind of love, not only romantic love, but it needs to be unconditional, which means we take each other as whole people imperfect because that's how we are. We're very, very imperfect people and that's as it is. Um, so I would say the key to any relationship is taking people as they are in their wholeness all their imperfections. We have to kind of embrace each other from that space. And I can tell you it's really beautiful when we do that. Great. And as we wrap up, one last question. And I... Sure, Raj. This is something I plan to ask all my guests in all my shows. Oh. What are the three, top three factors in your life that are the most important for your happiness? Hmm. So my relationship, my immediate intimate relationship, my husband, um, my family, the closeness and close knit with both my in-laws as well as my family at home. And then I would say it's my purpose. That's my work. So how I'm showing up and how integrated that is in my life. Um, these three pieces, these would be the three factors. Great. Wonderful. And uh, what does the future hold for you, Jill? Ooh, I don't know. I got to wake up tomorrow, Raj. I got to see the future tomorrow. I guess more of the same. I'm going to keep doing this work. I love it. I enjoy it. Keep working on myself. Keep growing. Um, and maybe, you know, start some groups, do some group coaching, take small groups of people and get some communities started and some connections started because I think that's what everyone is calling for now is more connection and more relationships. So working on facilitating this through my work. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for being with us here today. And to all the viewers who are watching this, let me tell you, this is my first time. 
I'll get it right and I'll get better as with every episode. So please bear with me if there have been some mistakes and uh, maybe next time I'll even start asking, taking questions from the audience. Uh, I'm not tech savvy and I hopefully we'll get better with every passing day. And uh, Jill, really appreciate you being here with us today. Uh, watch us every Friday. Friday live with Raj Naik and uh, we'll come back to you, you with a new guest and again take you through their life's journey. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this Sochcast. What is your Soch? Send us your comments on our Facebook page and Instagram page. It's time for you to do your own Sochcast at Sochcast. Apni Soch Dunia Ko Sunao. Sochcast